Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to part two of our series, Growing Pains. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. We're, we're in a series right now called Growing Pains. Is there anyone ready to stretch today? Anyone in this place? Come on, if you're not, I'm going to put you at the mat anyways. So Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, it says, therefore, I urge you, Prince, come on, give us some keys here in this place. Come on, let's give Prince a round of applause. That sounds a little better. Can't, we can't leave the keys just yet. Romans chapter 1, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view, someone shout in view, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship do not be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds then this is important then and only then when my mind is renewed will I be able to test and approve what God's will is is good his pleasing and his perfect will. I want to speak uh, this morning uh, on the topic and from the subject and with the title of The Sweet Spot. The Sweet Spot. Come on, can we just give it up one more time for the Lord in this place? Thank you so much, Prince. Love y'all. Um, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Everyone feeling good today? Oh my gosh, not so much. Any, anyone feeling good in the morning, in the house today? Come on, so glad that you could be here uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Hey, uh, before I get into the message, I just want to say this. Yesterday, we had the privilege of assembling 95 Thanksgiving meals. So... Uh, I just want to say, number one, thank you to every person that came out yesterday, that, that assembled, that delivered. Uh, you gave Thanksgiving to 95 people that might not have otherwise had meals. So super thankful for that um, and thankful for the generosity uh, of the people in this place that gave. Um, it's just a privilege to see how the generosity of our church has grown. Um, and what I said yesterday, I said, we don't want to be a generous church. We are a generous church. It's not something we strive for. It is something that we are. So I thank you uh, because the truth is this. We can only be generous when you are generous. Um, so I just want to thank you for that before I get into the message today. So last week, we began a series called Growing Pains. What, can you make some noise? Anyone here for part one? Uh, Last week, come on. And we had uh, kind of a simple premise for this series. Uh, it's this. Growth is good and growth is painful, right? Growth is good and growth is painful. Last week, was, I said it was an introduction to the pain. It wasn't the full pain, just an introduction. Uh, and we, we looked at two questions. Number one, why do we need to change? Why do we need to grow? That's, that was the question, number one. And number two was how come growth hurts? Why is change hard? Those are the two questions we looked at last week. And uh, I used last week kind of the metaphor of working out. You guys remember this? I said that uh, when you work out, like the soreness that you feel, that pain is a good pain. However, you don't want to go too far, right? If you go too far and you literally hurt yourself, like that, that isn't a good thing. So in this series, I want to stretch us, but I don't want to hurt us. You understand? Stretch, 
but not hurt. And I know for a lot of us, perhaps in the past, you have been hurt by church, or you have been hurt in the process of serving and following after God. So in this series, like, I'm not trying to hurt you. Come on, somebody. And even better, God's not trying to hurt you. However, he is trying to stretch us and grow us. And so what I know is that for those of us who've experienced pain, sometimes uh, our, our alternative is like, well, I'm just going to stay on the sidelines. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to stretch. I'm not going to grow because last time it was just too painful. So what I want to do today is I want to get us into the sweet spot. The place between inactivity and pain is the sweet spot of following after God. And in that spot, we will begin to grow. So last week, I used the metaphor um, of working out. This week, I kind of want to use the metaphor of stretching. Anyone in this room, you love to stretch? How many in this room hate to stretch? <laughs> A couple people. I'm in, I'm in like the love-hate. Like I, I know that I need to stretch, but I hate stretching. And uh, it's funny because uh, a lot of us, like the reason we don't stretch, I'd assume, if you're like me, is that stretching kind of hurts, right? Like that bend and like that, it's like, oh, I just, that, I can feel it in my hamstrings. I'm not even doing it right now. Uh, and it's funny, I was listening to an interview and he was talking about uh, how, how this guy, he was working out with his trainer and what he said uh, was interesting. The trainer told him, he said, most people, their issue with stretching is this. They give up, their, their brains and their minds give up before their bodies actually do. In other words, most people can go a little bit deeper than they think, and that's the sweet spot. That's where pliability comes, but a lot of people give up before they get to that actual sweet spot of the stretch. And so today, what I want us to understand is growth, we need it, but sometimes we hate it. Uh, and so I want to get us into that place where it's like I, I want to stretch us a little bit further than maybe we want to go. Now, again, I'm well aware that, and stretching is a great metaphor, because if you push too far, like, you're going to tear your groin, right? Like, you can't, you can't just <laughs> shove someone down and say, stretch, you fool, whatever you're going to say. Um, and so uh, a lot of us, like, you know this, you can get hurt, right? If you, like, stretching is great, but it can hurt you. Now, for some of us, it's like, well, well Harrison, I would rather just, if I, if I know I could get hurt, I would rather just not do it. But here's why I use the metaphor of stretching, because I think it's, it's apt to our spiritual walks. Um, to not stretch and to overstretch both lead to the same place, which is injury, right? And I want to just suggest in our walks, if we're not growing, right, we're, we're going to get injured, and that will happen either through inactivity or through pushing it too far. So I want to get us to the sweet spot today. Is everyone following? Come on, we can wake up this morning, 9 o'clock. It's all right. I know it's a little bit early. Uh, I'm going to get us there. Don't worry. So what I want to do, last week we were in Romans chapter 11. Uh, I want to push forward to Romans chapter 12 today. And if you're with us last week, uh, you'll remember we looked at this dichotomy of God, that he is both kind uh, and stern. And we said all the characteristics make up who God is. And I want to stay in Romans. So a little context if you weren't here last week or if you forgot last week. Uh, but Romans, uh, written in the New Testament, this is after the time of Jesus, uh, to the church, uh, one of the early churches and, and the believers. And Paul writes this letter, a man named Paul. And in this letter, he is describing, really, the full gospel. 
That's the book of Romans is like the full story of God. From, from beginning to end, Paul's kind of laying it out. And uh, the first 11 chapters, Paul's talking about grace and mercy and what this all means. Now chapter 12, Paul is saying, okay, I've taught you the gospel. I've taught you the message of Jesus. Now here are the implications. Here's how you live out what I just taught you. Making sense? So he says, therefore... The therefore, the therefore is literally Romans 1 to 11. He's like, therefore. You're like, Harrison, I haven't read it. It's okay, I'll, I'll fill you in in a sec. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, the sweet spot, I believe, for following after the Lord is in the second part of that verse, to live, to, to, to be a living sacrifice. So if you want to know what it is to follow Jesus, to be a living sacrifice. However, before we get there, before I get into that, because that, that verse is all about growth, uh, we need to see the starting point. Because before that, can we throw the verse up for one more second? Before any of the living sacrifice, Paul says, in view, I urge you in view of God's mercy. So, mercy is the starting point before living sacrifice. Now, if you're like, well, what is God's mercy? God's mercy is simply this. Mercy in general, I think the best definition of mercy is to withhold that which is deserved. What's mercy? To withhold that which is deserved. Meaning you deserve something and you don't get it. That's mercy. Now, in the, in the context of God, well, what did we deserve that he held back? Judgment. Punishment. You and I, we all deserve judgment. We all deserve punishment. Now, some of us are saying, well, hold on one second, Pastor. I put together Thanksgiving meals yesterday. Some of y'all, you weren't there, but you're like, I contribute financially. I deserve judgment. Some of y'all didn't give and you didn't come yesterday, so you, you, do deserve, you just deserve judgment. Come on, somebody. But um, you're like, even me? Like, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I'm in church on a Sunday morning. L let, me, let me explain why each and every one of us is worthy of judgment. It is simply this. Um, God knows everything. God is all-knowing. He's, the Bible calls him the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He sees everything. He is unchangeable. He, he, like, everything that you've ever done in your entire life. Now, the good stuff, like, y'all have some good stuff. God sees the good stuff. That's the stuff that, like, you post on your Instagram story, you want everyone to see. God, God sees that, too. However, the stuff that we would rather no one know, no one see... You know what I'm talking about? You know those thoughts that you've had? That you're like, you're thankful that like, they're in your brain only? Like God knows that. You know those things that you have done? You, you know those lies that you've told? The people that you've cheated? That no one else, not just you, God knows it. Now, last week we talked about this idea that God is holy. Right? God, God is, there's no, there is no evil within him. He is fully and completely good. You and I are not. 
Something's on the roof there? What's going on back there? Just the devil. Um, <laughs> God knows everything. And so because he's holy and he is good and we are not, that puts us in a place of judgment where God is justified to judge us. Now, what Paul's going to talk about in the book of Romans is that instead of judgment, what we got was grace. Romans chapter 5 says it like this, verse 8. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. This, this is the, I need us to see this. You and I, here's what you deserve. You don't like this, here's the truth. You and I deserve a one-way ticket to hell. That's just the truth. But what happens, this is what, what, this is what Paul is describing as the gospel. He's saying, instead of the judgment that you deserved, God sent Jesus. Who's Jesus? Well, he's God in the flesh. Jesus is the personhood of God, right? The word, the logic of God became flesh. And so instead of judgment, he sends Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So this is what mercy is. All that stuff that you have done that you would rather wish no one knew about. There's stuff that you wish you didn't know about about yourself, but you know it. Instead of getting what you deserve, which is judgment, which ultimately is hell, he sends Jesus instead. And it says anyone that wants to be free, anyone that wants life eternal, anyone that doesn't want judgment doesn't have to experience it. Why? Because Jesus did for us. Isn't that amazing? Now, I, I want to talk about hell for a second, because some people are kind of afraid of hell. Even when I said it, you clenched up a little bit. <laughs> You're like, what the hell, pastor? Like, what are you talking? So here's what, here's what hell is. Hell is eternal separation from God, right? And so if, if you were to describe it, it's this. It's darkness. It is utter darkness. God is light. He is good. He is love. Anything that is good in this world comes because of God. Evil ultimately is the absence of God. And so what hell is and why it's dark and why it's desolate and why it's described as torturous is because it is utter darkness. And it is utter darkness because God isn't there. Now, you're like, Harrison, you said not to be afraid of hell. This sounds kind of scary. Here's the truth. No one has to go there. Not one. In fact, Jesus describes it like this. He didn't even create hell for people. It was created for Satan and, the, and, and, and demons. That's what it was. It was not created for humans. In fact, there is not even a preferred outcome in the mind of God where anyone would ever experience judgment. Now, somebody saying, Harrison, are you saying God doesn't send people to hell? Um, I actually don't believe God sends anyone anywhere. Um, I think God sent his son. Come on, somebody. That, that was the sending work. However, as much as I say hell isn't for people, I do think that people will choose to be eternally separated from God. But it's not because God wants it. It's because they do. C.S. Lewis, and you should read it because he's got a whole bunch of great stuff on hell. He puts it like this, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He says hell is God's last act of mercy. Why? Because he's giving people that which they've always wanted, to be separate from him. That's all it is. God is giving them that which they wanted. It's his last act of mercy. So, anyways, point is this. There's my hell talk for you today on Thanksgiving weekend. 
The whole point that Paul is bringing out in Romans, he's saying, listen, y'all, none of us have to worry about it because none of us have to go there. It was never for us. It's not intended for us. God's intention is to dwell with us forever. And everyone that wants to dwell with God forever will, which is part of the good news, which is amazing. So Paul says, in view of God's mercy. So here's the point. Growth, change, stretching must be viewed through the lens of mercy. Because Paul's going to call us to something in a moment here, but it has to be viewed through the lens of mercy. Now, here's what legalism is. And some of you guys, maybe you grew up in a church that was legalistic. Maybe you guys grew up in households that were legalistic. To be legalistic is simply this. All that we do as followers of Jesus is in order to be accepted. I come to church in order that God would accept me. I act properly in order that God would accept me. I don't watch certain movies so God would accept me. I don't swear, you guys following? So God would accept me. That's, that's where legalism, that's what, when I talk about religion, that's what religion is. Religion says this is what you must do and then you will get. The gospel says, no, 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 this is what has been done for you. So, here's the beautiful thing. Spiritual growth, which we're going to get to in a moment, always begins not out of a place where I must be accepted, but spiritual progress begins out of a place of acceptance. That's the song we just sang, I'm already loved, I'm already chosen. Spiritual progress begins out of a place of acceptance, not in order to be accepted. Because here is the truth, and some of you, this is your religious experience. Everything that you ever did in regards to God was in order to be accepted. And the results of that is never a good, good father. Instead, what you see God is is a taskmaster and a boss. Some of you guys have been there in your jobs before, where like you only, the only reason you work hard is because you hope your boss will notice. You guys ever been there? Like, I could care less about the job. I just want to get noticed. You want to know what happens every single time? Bitterness. Because your heart posture is like, someone just please see me. See me, see me, see me. And some of us come to church, it's like, God, see me. I'm in the front row. Look at me, look at me. But the truth is, and this is the message of the cross, is that you're already accepted. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Our job isn't to be accepted. It is to accept the gift. Does that make sense? And if we don't have the proper picture, this is important, especially when it comes to growing pains. Because for some of us, again, our whole religious experience is just pain. And I would argue it is because you have looked at it out of a place of trying to be accepted. I want you to understand that God accepts you. And so now everything that we do comes out of that acceptance. It comes out of it. So for some of us, I want to pull you back. Because you're hurting yourself. This is the reason you're getting hurt all the time. This is the reason you're burnt out. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so hard to come to church. It's so hard to serve because you're trying to be accepted. Now, for some of us, I need to get you like onto the mat. Because some of us do nothing. It's like, I'm in the grace zone, baby. So, it's the, it's the sweet spot. Everyone following? We're getting to the sweet spot today. So, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's Mercy. You guys understand God's mercy? He withheld that which he, what we deserved. He gave us Jesus instead. Because of this great gift of salvation, because of the gospel, he says, offer. That's a, that's a great word. 
to offer, right? Doesn't say you must. Doesn't say, come here, boy. That's what I say to Judah sometimes. I say, come here, boy. <laughs> Is he in the room today? Uh, he's back there. He's going to wake up when I said that. He's like, oh my gosh, dad's here. Um, so he says, in view of God's mercy, he says, offer yourself, right? give yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I love this. Take this all together. He's saying this. He's saying, listen, the gospel, the message of Jesus is centered on giving. He says, because God gave, he says, give yourself. The response to the gift is to give. He says, offer yourself. How do we offer ourselves? He says, through a life of worship. Now, can I teach you guys for a second something cool? Okay. <laughs> Let's pray. Um, Paul, who's a Jew, and so he uses a lot of language of the Jews in, in the Old Testament. Like any Jew reading this would understand what he's talking about. But in the Old Testament, for the people of Israel, the Jewish people, um, in order for them to come into the presence of God, uh, they would offer sacrifices. Right, sacrifices for atoning sin, um, so on and so forth, guilt. And what, what, what happens when you read the Old Testament, you will see that their whole worship system is really built around sacrifice. For, for a Jewish person, they didn't really have a picture of worship that was devoid of sacrifice, right? To, 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 to sacrifice for them what was to worship. And so what Paul is saying here, because we're now in the New Covenant. This is where I'm teaching for a moment. And if you don't understand this, it's okay. Just follow along. Um, the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. As Christians, we live in the glory and the beauty of the New Covenant. Right? They were under law. We were under grace. Now, one thing where people get confused, they say, oh my gosh, like I'm so happy I'm not under the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was so hard. It asked so much about you, about me. Like, how come I have to shave my sideburns? I don't really get it. Like, there's so much going on there. I'm so happy I'm in the New Covenant. It's so much easier. Wrong. Wrong. In the new covenant, and to be under grace is amazing. But grace does not call us lower. Grace calls us higher. And so everything that God required of us in the Old Testament, and, 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 and why we're, like, we can look at it and be like, oh my gosh, like I'm so happy I don't have to kill a lamb. But the truth is this, and we're, this is where we get it wrong. We say it like this, I'm so happy I don't have to sacrifice to worship now. Paul's making a different argument. Paul's saying, no, 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 when you understand the gospel, he says the gospel elicits a response. He says the response is to offer myself as a living sacrifice. This is cool. So here's the sweet spot of growth, because we're growing in this series. The sweet spot of growth is this. I don't view my life as my own. I'm his because I was bought with a price. And because my life isn't my own, my life is his, I am a living sacrifice. Now, 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 hear this for a second, because the sacrifice that we are is not an atoning sacrifice. An atoning sacrifice means to be made right. Jesus made you right with God. He is the atoning sacrifice. My life as a sacrifice, again, is not to be accepted. It is because I'm accepted. It's literally like, oh, my gosh, like, I love this God so much. My life is his. Where you call me, I'm going. Where you want, I'm doing it. So 
Here's the point, though. It's a life of worship built on sacrifice. I want to say it like this. To worship is to sacrifice. This is the sweet spot of growth. It's a life that is built on worship. What's a life built on worship? It's a life built on sacrifice. Now, for a lot of us, when we, when we think of the word worship, many of us, we only think about, like, singing. Like, when we come here, that's, that's, that's a lot of our context of worship. Now, what I want to argue, of course, um, is that worship is a whole lot more than 25 minutes on a Sunday morning. It's a whole lot more than that. However, I believe that worship on a Sunday morning is extremely powerful. And the reason I believe it's powerful is because there are things in it that can posture our hearts for a life of worship. So, because you know it's, it's easy to be like, man, there's so much more than worship. True. However, I also believe this. If you don't worship in the presence of God, you probably don't worship anywhere else. So, there are great lessons that we can learn in order to worship well. Can I tell you a great lesson that you can learn in worship? Priority. There's a reason Christians gather on Sunday mornings. I've, I've said this before, from, from the beginning of time, or of Christianity. It's because first day of the week, right? The early Christians would literally meet before sunrise to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because they're, they're starting. I'm starting my life. I'm starting my week out. And so when we come here to worship, we are posturing ourselves for the entire week. So I have, I have a way that can, that can help you for the rest of your week. Be on time for worship. Some of y'all didn't like that. Because what I know for certain is when worship started, there wasn't a back row. Now there is. <laughs> because I think what church does, it gives us that posture. Because, listen, I got four kids too. It's, it's not easy. Especially 9 a.m. Come on, somebody. It's not easy. But if I know my life's a sacrifice, then I'm going to do whatever it takes to get here. Now, be here on time. Come on, somebody. But you can start next week if you didn't make it this week. There's no judgment. I love you. But be here. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great heart posture. Now, for some of us, they say, Harrison, um, I like worship, uh, but I don't feel it every time I come here. Can we be honest? You guys have weeks where you feel it? I got weeks where I feel it. Like I'm ready to worship, I'm ready to cry, whatever you want me to do. But like there's, there's other weeks where it's like, not so much. You ever have a sore throat? It's like, well, the Lord knows my throat's sore this week. Uh, now, now here's a beautiful thing, and I'm going to connect this to our lives in a moment. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, specifically uh, in the Hebrew, the Old Testament, if you didn't know this, was written primarily in Hebrew. Um, there are many different words, Hebrew words, that are translated for praise. Now, so when we come, we do praise and worship, and everyone thinks praising is to sing it, right? To praise is to sing, and that's true. Um, in the Hebrew, the most common word uh, for praise uh, is halal, which literally means praise. Now, uh, that's like, so the long form is hallelujah, which is praise the Lord. You guys learning Hebrew this morning. Come on, somebody. Um, now, that word, halal, means like to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate, to act clamorously, whatever that word is, foolish in praise. Now, now this word halal, there's a lot of heart in that, right? Because like, how, how do I act foolishly if I don't feel like it? How do I praise if I don't feel like it? 
Like, how can I praise when my voice doesn't sound as angelic as Lael's voice? What am I supposed to do? Now, the beauty, again, in the Old Testament is the Old Testament gives you many different words for praise. What sucks in English sometimes is it translates it all the same. But especially in the Psalms, it's saying different things. So here's a cool one. Um, Yauda. <laughs> like, could you say that a little bit louder? Yauda uh, literally means, and this is, this is a word for praise, it literally means to throw out the hand. Here's the cool thing. Because halal has a lot of heart. It takes a lot of heart, but sometimes my heart's not there. That's cool because the Bible gives us more than just heart postures for praise. Right? Yauda is to throw out the hand. And if that wasn't enough, we have tauda. Come on, somebody. Which is an extension of the hands. This one is a little bit more like feely because it's an adoration. It's an open statement of gratitude. And I'll tell you something cool. My son Judah, I already called him out. Um, his name, if you don't know this, means praise. And so his name comes from the, the root Hebrew word yauda, which is to, to throw your hand. Isn't that cool? Um, so that's why he's a, he's, he's a boy of praise. Come on, somebody. Um, and like the, the Hebrew word yaud, yaud is, is hand, which is where it comes from. So I'll show you this practically. Um, then we'll go back to this because I got more. But um, for a moment, Psalm 100, um, I'll show you this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come on, somebody. What day is it today? Thanksgiving. I don't feel it. That's okay. It's, it's saying tauda. So it's literally enter his gates with hands. Some of you guys are new to church. You're like, how come people raise their hands? It's because we're praising. It's Thanksgiving, right? So enter into his gates with thanksgiving, tauda, and come to his courts with praise, which is halal. That's a typical one. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So here's how worship is cool. Because it gives me a place where if my heart isn't in it, I can bring my hands into it. Right? I'm not, I'm not subject to my heart. I have hands, too. And so um, there's more. Going back to the list for a second, Carol, I got two more just, just to show us. Um, Shabak, this is my personal favorite. Shabak is to shout. So you know sometimes when we say, let's give them a shout of praise, and some of you guys are like. <laughs> what we're calling for, listen, y'all, what we're calling for is a Shabak. You know what a Shabak is? That's like when, that's thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Because sometimes like my only posture is to scream in adoration. Then there's Barak, which is cool, um, which, which is to kneel, right? So that's like literally just to, get on your, just to get on your knees. And again, that's one more thing. Where it's like, like a lot of these things, like sure, my heart has to be there. But to kneel is to intentionally put myself in a posture of surrender. So I'm just letting you know, because some of you guys grew up in church, and they said, like, well, in church, you have to be reverent, and you have to be silent. Listen, I do believe you must be reverent, but reverence is not silence. If you go to the Grand Canyon, you will see something that's spectacular, and you will revere at what you see. But most people, when they go to the Grand Canyon, you want to know what they do? They go, oh, my gosh. Some people might even give a little shabak. Like, wow! Because to be in the presence of God is to bring out revere. And the beautiful thing is this, because my heart doesn't always follow along, God gives us a body. And says, here are some more ways that we can praise with our hands, on our knees. Sometimes I'm going to just shout until my heart gets there. You guys ever been there? I'm going to shout until my heart turns around. And I, could, I, could, I don't have time, but I could get into brain chemistry. 
if you guys didn't know this, your body can literally trick your brain. Look up smiling, what it does, right, to your brain. It's crazy. Uh, I believe praise is the same thing. My hands can fool my heart. So, point is this, because you're like, Harrison, you just said that a life of worship is more than just praise. It is. My point is that for a lot of us, what keeps us from a life of worship is our personal circumstances and our personal feelings. And I said, well, Harrison, today, I just don't feel like being a living sacrifice. Now, I want you to understand something. The starting place of worship, the starting place of growth is never our feelings. The starting place of worship is always mercy. It is the mercy of who God is. It is that picture of what God has. That's the starting place. The starting place for a living sacrifice is never how I feel. It's never what I'm going through. It is who God is. God gave, so I gave. So I just want to challenge us in this room when it comes to worship. Let this place be a training ground to propel you into the rest of your life. Because true and proper worship isn't just here, but this can be a training ground for the rest of our life. That means next week, 9 o'clock, I'm here. I'm ready to worship. Maybe it's Harrison, like, I'll be at 11 o'clock. Fine. But I'm ready to worship. It's a heart to him. Now, in our lives, what does this look like practically? Super simple. It just means my posture is a posture, number one, of thanksgiving. And because of that thanksgiving, it is an outflow of gratitude that leads me to give. My whole entire life as a believer is centered around the idea of giving. I give because I was given to, right? So let's talk about marriage for a moment. Um, one thing you, got, you guys, I was talking to my friend, you guys have probably heard this as well or said this if you're in a relationship or married, um, but you, you guys have heard this like, uh, man, I would die for my wife. You heard this? People in the room, would you die for your spouse? Hopefully, anyone not, we can, we can talk later. Um, he's like, I would die for my spouse, and I would die for my kids. Um, and that, you know, it sounds really like heroic. And, uh, <laughs> but truth is this. As a believer, I'm called to be a living sacrifice. So something far more noble than dying for my partner, listen to this, is to live for them. Every single day to sacrifice my well-being for theirs. That is far more heroic than in a moment dying for your spouse. Now hear me, I hope if the time ever came, you would do it. But true sacrifice is to say, I'm putting that person first each and every day. And, and this isn't just with our romantic relationships. This is in church. This is in friendships with our families. I'm going to die to myself. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for me. I'm going to forgive. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for me. Because Jesus forgave me. <clears throat> I talked about work. What if we could change our heart posture at our jobs? You see, for a lot of us, we, we talk about like, man, like I just, I wish, I wish I was doing ministry. How do I do ministry? Listen, everyone in this room is called to ministry. Every single one of us. We're not all called to pastoral ministry, but we're all called to ministry. And for a lot of us, your parish, your church, your mission field is your job. It is your school. And if you want to be a true follower of Jesus, 
become a living sacrifice. What's a living sacrifice? It is to think of the interests of others before my own. It is to seek reconciliation in a world that seeks to cancel. So what this means is this, for the job that you don't like, what if your heart posture, and maybe your, your boss is kind of a jerk, sure, I'll give it to you, but you might be a jerk, so. Um, but what if the heart posture was every single day I'm here to serve God? Well, how do I serve him? Through excellence. It's by showing up every single day, giving everything that I have. So that's what Paul says, he says, he says, do everything, right, as to the Lord. So here's why it's hard, though, and here's the stretch. Why is it hard to sacrifice? Why is it hard um, to praise? Paul says, verse 2, Romans 12, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So, so here's why worship's hard right now. Um, there's a problem with the pattern. Most of us, the reason we can't sacrifice, the reason we can't die to ourselves, the reasons we're feeling orientated is because there's a problem in the pattern. The pattern of this world right now is waging war on our worship. Right now, because of the pattern of this world, there is a war on our worship. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like being able to gather together, because currently we can. What I'm talking about is the pattern of this world right now, if I could describe it in one word, it would be, maybe there's a dash in there, so I don't know if it's one word or two, but um, self-centered. The, the current posture, the current pattern of this world is one that is totally turned inward. So what happens is the things that we are watching, the things that we are viewing, the things that we are seeing, the content that we are absorbing every single day is pushing us more inward. Think about you first. Build yourself first. Save money first for me, for me, for me. Paul comes along, the Bible comes along, and says, listen, it's not about us. It's not about me. To worship is to sacrifice. To say a little less of me and a whole lot more of him. Right? So, Jesus, if you're like, Harrison, I don't know what, about this. Like, this is Paul. Maybe you're one of those guys. Like, I just listen to Jesus, not Paul. Um, you're wrong, but... Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, this is Jesus. Jesus said to the people following him, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily. Do you guys get that? Daily. And follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So the point is this. You want to be my follower. Because some of us, like, we're, we're talking about the sacrifices we did 15 years ago. You wouldn't believe what I did for my wife when we were dating. I bought her flowers every single day. What have you done in 2023? Take up your cross daily. You see, the reason that sacrifice is hard for us is because some of us are so far removed from the voice of God. Meaning, the things that are filtering into our minds, into our hearts do not come from God, they come from culture. And every single one of us in this room, we are being formed. The question we gotta ask is what is forming us? Because Paul says, he says, do not conform. Why? Because you're being formed. 
every one of us. We are all formed by Instagram. We're formed by TikTok. We're formed by the news, right? And some of us, like, you know, like the buzzword right now is like, man, everything's so woke. Like, I hate cancel culture. You want to know what I've seen? I've seen both sides of the spectrum are existing in cancel culture, right? Everyone does it. It's like, I'm not shopping at Target anymore. I'm not drinking Bud Light anymore. Just, it's, it swings. We, we may not like the thing on the other end of the spectrum, but if we're not formed by God, we just become a, an echo of the other side. That's, that's what our culture looks like right now. Every one of us is being formed. So the question is this, what's forming us today? So Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, you're able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's the truth. Here is the number one way that we do not conform to the pattern of the world is through worship. When my life is postured on worship, I'm waging war against the world. When I'm building a life on sacrifice, on devotion, on selflessness, I'm waging war against the enemy. Because the enemy of our souls right now is a life that is built all about me. What I want to argue is this, the sweet spot for following Jesus, it's not, it's not going too far, and it's not doing nothing, but it's keeping mercy and grace at the forefront of everything that we do. The moment that loses our focus, we can't truly worship and we can't truly sacrifice because then it becomes, it's back to me. It's centered on me. So what we need to do is we need to renew our minds. I hope in this series I can renew our minds a little bit. A lot of the stuff that I say, the only reason it's painful is because I say the opposite of what a lot of us are hearing day in and day out. That's where the pain comes in. But I just believe that scripture has this way of forming us not even in the way that God wants us to be formed, but in the way that we were intended to live. There's a difference. If you think God just wants you to do something, then it's like, well. But if you view it as like, well, what if God has a way that you were actually intended to live? And when we live in God's intended design, everything is better. Everything's better. So how do I renew my mind? Number one, I want to encourage us this. Come to church. It's once a week, but it's, it's a springboard. In Canada, average church attendance is considered once a month. You're an average church attender. Well, I don't want to build average church attendance. I want to build followers of Jesus. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about statistics, but I would encourage you, make it a, make it a commitment. If, if I know there's a war on my worship and there's a problem in the world's pattern, I've got to change my patterns. So I'm going to start. Once a week, right? I'm going to start my weeks. I'm coming to church. I'm coming on time, ready to worship, whether I feel it or not. I'll give a Shabbat if I have to, whatever it is. I'm here to worship. Number two, join community. It's not too late. Groups are just getting off the ground. Some haven't even started. Foundations hasn't even started. Come on, somebody. I want to encourage you, join a group and find community. Because you need other people that you can walk alongside with and be formed by something that isn't scripture. Are the people in your group perfect? Nope. Are you perfect? Nope. 
Is God perfect? Yep. So come together and search after him. Last one is this. Every single day, because Jesus says pick up your cross daily. Every single day, can I encourage you this? And I want us to all build a robust devotion life as baby steps. Every day when you wake up, just say, Holy Spirit, simple prayer. What's one thing I can do today? What's one thing I can offer today? And here's the craziest thing. I just believe this to be true. I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Might be right away. Might be later on. But he's going to give you something to sacrifice in some way. And when we do that, then he says, then, when my mind is renewed, I'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his perfect and pleasing will. You see, a life of worship, because that can be really hard, where it's like every day I've got to think about what I have to do, and I've got to think and think and think and think. I don't want to think, I just want to live. That's the promise. When my mind is renewed, it's a whole lot less thinking and a whole lot more doing. I'm moving my life and my workplace, wherever, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And God changes everything, one step at a time. So um, can we stand for a second, church? I'm going to wrap us up this morning. So if you're in this place, I would love um, just to pray with us today. I want to get us in the sweet spot. Now, if you've never heard um, about the grace and the mercy of Jesus, I want you to understand it's better than you could ever imagine. And if you've never made that step, if you've never entered into that journey with Jesus, I want to invite you right now to take the first step. The first step of a life changed forever. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place and you're like, I don't even know about God and his mercy, but I want to take that first step. All I want to do is I want to pray for you this morning. But if that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, could you shoot me your hand real quick, just as a posture? Thank you. Second group I want to pray for this morning. If you're in this place, maybe even hurt before, you've gone too far, or you haven't been doing enough, you want to get back in that sweet zone, in that sweet spot, but you need some Holy Spirit inspiration. If that's you today, like I'm not where I want to be, can you show me your hand as well? I'd love to pray for you. I want I want to get you, I want to get us there this morning. So, Father. You see every heart. You see every hand. You know what we're going through. You know those of us who are inching towards a life with you. So, God, we just pray for those people right now in this place. God, that they would make that decision to say, I'm following after you. We thank you for what you're doing in their lives, God. So I pray for the rest of us, those of us that raised our hands. God, stretch us. May we see what you have for us. May we go to the places that you're calling us to go. May we serve with a heart that is abandoned, but with eyes that are solely focused on you. Not out of a place of acceptance, of trying to be accepted, but out of a place because we are accepted. That is our prayer, Father. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together in this place? Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.